I was introduced to my guest today through the magic of networking. I literally got introduced to someone who knew someone that was looking to connect with someone else who works with divorced parents. And before I knew it, there was my soul sister, Jen Seggy. I can't wait for you to meet her. As you'll hear, Jen and I have a really similar trajectory. We both have 20 years of professional experience helping kids with behavior disorders, but she was a psychologist and I was a homeopath. Then we both ended up working with families struggling to manage some kind of high conflict divorce situation. And she's also a divorced and remarried mom like me, living the blended family dream, as it were. So we're kindred spirits, each bringing our own special tools to the task of creating safer home spaces for kids and helping grown-ups have a more enjoyable and fulfilling experience of parenting. Jen doesn't toot her own horn much, but as I stalked her website, I discovered that she's also a trained divorce mediator, and she's recognized as a parent coordinator by the Ohio Supreme Court. We totally agree that coaching is the way better road than plain therapy for these kind of situations that combine divorce animosity, parenting brainwashed kids, and dealing with a broken court system because we can offer actual advice and tangible action plans instead of just the personal healing piece, which is really important, of course. But like the clock is ticking and you have to move forward now, not in two or three years when you get your shit figured out. Of course, she and I both see a lot of situations where one of the grown-ups in the family is acting like a big baby. Actually, a really big toxic baby. One who's using dirty tricks to more or less completely booby trap the life of the other parent. She sums it up pretty well when she says, these alienators don't play by the rules. Remember what it was like to play with that kid who wouldn't play by the rules, but you still had to play with them because they were bullies? God, that sucked. So what do you do when you're faced with this kind of ex in your life or your partner's life and you can't just stop the game because you have kids together? Here's Jen Seggy to explain. Hi, Jen. Thanks Hi, so Grace. much for being here today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Jen is one of the only people I know, and she was just saying the same thing, um, who's doing virtually the same thing that I'm doing, coaching parents in sort of high conflict post-divorce parenting situations. Mm -hmm. So tell us how you got into that. What was your journey? Oh, well, it's a journey that's been going on for a couple decades. I started out as a child adolescent mental health therapist. And what I was finding there is that um, parents really did have um, a lot of influence in their child's mental health. And so um, instead of labeling our kids with these disorders initially, I felt it was more positive to teach parents strategies to make sure they're promoting mental health and knowing how to curb those behavior disorders um, so that they're not going on with a um, life of like chronic anxiety, depression, or those behavior problems. So I started my business Successful Parenting in 2008, which was doing parent coaching. And after a couple years, I felt like there was something more I needed um, to challenge myself. And so I started working with divorced families. And along the line, I just got more complicated cases mm -hmm. and ended up working with the high conflict cases. And I really find those cases challenging and I have to continue to 
constantly educate myself to keep up with everything. Um, and then also, you know, understanding parent alienation. And a lot of parents feel like there aren't solutions for parent alienation because we really are on the brink of doing, you know, the trailblazing of figuring this out. That's it. And, and it's so exciting to, um, to be able to read books and I'm making connections myself on what needs to happen for the parent, what needs to happen for the child in order to empower them both to break free from being the victim and from the psychological abuse. So it's very exciting. Um, I do find when I'm working with the high conflict co-parent coaches, I still get to do my parent coaching. I still get to tell them, you know, different strategies they can use to help their child develop in a healthy manner. So I get to do pretty much everything I've been doing all along. And then isn't that nice more. Yes. It's so cool that you have, I mean, we have such a similar path to this because I, my history is my professional history is that I've been a homeopath for more than 20 years. And my practice was focused on helping children with behavior problems. And so, you know, I brought so much of that, like that was, that was my journey was that I learned so much in the process of, of, you know, getting more qualified to do that kind of work as a natural health professional that when I became a stepmom, like I felt like I was just like reeling in all the, all the stuff that I knew, like all those books that I had read, just exactly like what you're saying, you know, I was reading stuff and making connections and drawing from a lot of different areas to find the benefits that I could bring to my own practice. Mm -hmm. So I had like all this history of studying and finding things out and learning about childhood development and human psychology and family dynamics and all that stuff. And I thought, what do people do who don't know this stuff? Like I'm having a hard time and I've been studying this for years and years. Mm -hmm. So do you, I want to ask you a question because maybe you've found the same thing as me, as you've been reading books, but like the stuff that's directly aimed, like the published literature that I've read directly about parental alienation wasn't super helpful for me. Like in, like, I haven't used a lot of those things. It just, that stuff didn't make me feel good when I read it. Um, I, I definitely see where you're coming from because I would say, yeah, at least half the books, more than half the books, I would absolutely agree. Um, and, you know, one, one that I'm thinking of by Dr. Amy Baker, the ties that bond, bind, um, you know, talks about the adult alienation and, it, and even after they're adults and figured out they've been alienated and some of them have tried to reconnect, but then, you know, just really didn't connect. There wasn't a lot of successful stories out there in the past about it. So, yeah. But that's a shame because the, like the research that I did, the women that I've talked to from my mm -hmm from my group that, you know, there's my group and other groups, I reached out to some like really big groups. So I, I've talked to a couple hundred people who were alienated as children. Mm -hmm. And overwhelmingly, they were able to reach out and connect mm -hmm. with their parents. So that doesn't jive with my own experience of what people are telling me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that would be great if you wrote a book on that, because I'm <laughs> sure a bunch of parents would be buying buying that because they really do need help. You know, it's like, there's so much energy and effort that they just, 
put into trying to reconnect. And if they don't have that hope, you know, if they don't feel like at some point that's going to pay off, how discouraged they get. So going back to your question, I agree of like the literature isn't really optimistic. Um, But again, going back to that, I feel like we're trailblazing here as we're kind of taking what what hasn't worked in the past and really figuring out, okay, you know, this is what's logical and here's how you can address this, this situation. For instance, I was having a, I was doing another podcast last week with a woman who was divorced. And, um, as I was telling her what I did, she realized that parent alienation had happened to her and, you know, her son was a teenager, 17 years old at the time when she got a divorce and, you know, he stopped talking to her. But with what I was informing her on how parents respond to that alienation, where they get very scared or anxious and agitated, how that can actually interfere further with the parent-child relationship. And she said that is exactly what happened, is that she became a very irritable person and constantly argued with her son and really reinforced that alienation. And it wasn't until she took a step back and started taking care of herself and getting healthier now, you know, now they have a great relationship. Yeah, that's exactly, I was going to, I didn't want to interrupt you before, but you said something about like the parents getting discouraged or feeling hopeless. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start acting, not in your best interests or not Mm -hmm. in the best interest of your child. Like Mm -hmm. the the child needs you to see the end of this Mm -hmm. and to kind of navigate this ship through the sorry for these metaphors, but you know, the choppy waters or whatever you want to call it, right? The hurricane. <laughs> they need you to, to be standing like, okay, in a sense in what's happening. And that doesn't mean you're supposed to let them beat you up or whatever, but that, that it, the they, yeah, they need, need that ability to stay in a positive place. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just go, they're, they're a victim and they see what their children are going through and they're constantly being abused. It is very difficult. Even people who start off very mentally healthy, it pulls them down. And so it's so important that they have a support system. And that's where another problem comes in is because again, a lot of people don't understand parent alienation. They don't know it occurs and they start to question, well, what are you doing that your child doesn't want to talk to you? And so then it's getting reinforced in this other way. Um, And so it's, yeah, it's very important that, that these parents receive support through this so that they are there for the longevity. Um, You know, they are there throughout the marathon and not just trying to go full force through the sprint because they'll get tired very quickly enduring oh, yeah. this. And I mean, nobody wants to hear about how long it could take mm-hmm. to, to resolve something like this. Like that's, it's painful. If you haven't, haven't had contact with your child in over a year, it's painful to hear that it could be five years or seven mm-hmm. years or whatever. Like nobody wants to hear that, but in the big, the bigger picture of your whole life together, you're going to look back at some point on this, you know, this unstable period or this difficult time in your life, but from a place of having a great connection together, you know? So it's, um, yeah. Let's talk about the dynamic of the, like the mind of the alienating parent. Mm, Yes. Um, okay. Um, 
So a lot of times you'll get questions of like, how can they do this? I don't understand how somebody can do this to their child because, um, you know, the long-term effects in the short-term effects on what it, what it, um, causes the child, but we have to remember that again, these people do not play by the rules. This is not the common mind. So it, there isn't a point that you'll, you would be able to understand what's, um, well, I should say, you know, as you dig deeper, deeper, you start to understand what's going on. And a lot of these individuals have, um, a high conflict personality disorder, or they at least have some tendencies and more so likely it's the narcissistic personality disorder or the borderline personality disorder. And what's going on is anytime they have any kind of anxiety or fear, in order for them to protect themselves, they're over responding and trying to control what happens and manipulate because they're fearful of, of losing out. And it helps us when we're dealing with, um, you know, parent alienation and a narcissist or borderline on how we respond. Because again, it's very human-like to respond to conflict with conflict. You know, it's, you know, defending self or, you know, meeting the same tactics. But as long as we respond to the alienator like that, it just exacerbates the problems and they will continue and the conflict will continue to increase. And so it's really important when I work with my clients is teaching them how to have that stable response for themselves, for their child, as well as for their co-parent. So they're not, in, they're, I don't want to say instigating, but you know, cause um, responding in a way that continues that conflict. And instead, responds in a way that decreases the conflict. Now, individuals who do have the narcissistic borderline personality, um, they thrive off of conflict. You know, people wonder of like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. How can they keep going? That is where they get their energy. So, you know, good, healthy people, we can't keep up with it. So yeah. we shouldn't even try to keep up with it. We need to refocus on what's important to us, make sure we stay focused on our goals and um, staying connected, you know, putting our energy towards having that quality time with our children instead of our energy to combating, fighting with the alienator. I agree with you completely. I think that that like that, it sounds cliche, but saying, you know, you really do have to let go of what you can't control and mm -hmm. you can't control what the other parent says or does. And that if you can put all the energy that you would otherwise be putting towards them into just focusing on yourself mm -hmm. and on, you know, improving, like you said, improving your own uh, connection with your child, improving your own like just whatever self-development, right? Like becoming a, a, a stronger, more stable person. That is the thing that moves the needle. And we're so conditioned to kind of fight back or to feel like you're fighting for your kids, that when you're engaged in fighting, you're somehow telling yourself or them that you're, you know, you're not going to let the other parent get away with this. You're you know, you're fighting for the kids. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I think the only good kind of fighting for your kids is when you don't participate. 
when it comes to this type of conflict, absolutely, is just to, to take a step back. Um, I often visualize this as a dodgeball game because if you talk to parents who are being alienated, they are constantly, like, there is constant accusations that are being thrown at them. So I, I tell them, think of it like a dodgeball game. When one accusation comes at you, just step away. You know, you don't <laughs> have to defend yourself from everything that comes at you. Think about whose opinion is important to you, your child's opinion. So make sure you're showing your child what kind of parent you are instead of letting the other person control you and you're showing them, uh, you know, if you're having that negative response, then you're only reinforcing what they're saying, but you have control over how you respond. So being that positive person so that your child starts to question, like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Mom doesn't really do that. You know, it takes um, a long time, eh? Often yeah, for, the, for yeah. that to happen. <laughs> I did want to say, as we're talking about this, it is so much easier to talk about it mm -hmm. than to actually do it. Because when you are in it, in that conflict, um, even just high co-parent conflict, it, it's like a cyclone. Like when you try to step out of it, and if you're not fully, like if there's not an action plan in place, you can easily get sucked right back into that cyclone of conflict. Um, so it is, you know, I don't, as we talk about it, I don't want to make it sound like it's difficult because or I'm sorry, it's easy because it is so difficult, but it is so freeing and so empowering once parents realize the control they have and are able to not have that kind of response and not be controlled. Um, I'm working on a YouTube channel um, that's called the Alienators Chess Game to discuss the different kind of tactics that alienators use. But I came up with the chess game because really, when we respond to their conflict, they're using us as pawns. They're just moving us around as pawns to the point where um, they can step aside and just let the child and the parent go back and forth and reinforce that alienation because of those normal human behaviors where we think we're doing the right thing, but it works against us. It's what kind of scary. Say, what do you say, Jen, to people who feel that um, that there's somehow like that, that there's something about the stepping away from the conflict that is silently um, oh, reinforcing it in the sense of like that you're letting them get away with saying these things mm -hmm. or, or behaving badly that if you don't counter it, you're letting the other parent get away with something. What, what mm -hmm. do you, that's a common complaint yeah. that I find my, my clients running into. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely a natural response, but thinking about where that thought gets us, you know, how many more times are we going to have to police that, you know, if it's not what we, you know, if we try to hold them accountable and let's say we do hold them accountable for that today, but what are they going to throw out of us tomorrow and how much time and energy are we going to spend? Or, you know, do you want to focus on what your own goals are as a parent and, um, you know, achieve that and looking back. People that completely lose sight of their own goals as a parent. They're so busy just mm -hmm. being not about like whatever's going on, like defending themselves or, um, or, you know, trying to prove the other parent wrong. Mm-hmm. That they've yeah. completely lost touch with whatever is important for them. As a right. Parent. 
Yeah. In coaching, one of the common questions I like to ask is, you know, if we fast forward life 10 years from now, or even, you know, towards the end of our life, how are we going to want to look back on this time in our life and how we handled it? And that's a real eye opener for people to think like, okay, I don't want to think that I responded. I don't want to think that they controlled me. So I'm going to, I'm going to let that go. And, you know, one of the things that I tell people about this too, is you're not the one who has to give them the consequences. They will have their own natural consequences for their behavior. Um, you know, and I, I walk through that several times with this mom I'm currently working with. And I, I give like the daughter's already fallen out and does not want to actually go see him because of how he talks about the mom so negative and has tried to alienate. So it's really actually in that case has backfired. Um, so we're not the ones we don't we don't need to control that they will make their own bed they will have to you know sleep and sleep in their own mess yeah. and unfortunately you know i i would like for people to be able to heal that's part of you know what we do but with the narcissist and borderline less than 10 percent of them will ever overcome that yeah. you know with personality disorders these individuals don't think that they are the problem and if they don't think they're the problem they're not the, going to be the ones getting help. So to answer your question, you know, telling them of, you know, they, they'll cause the natural consequences themselves and you don't have to control that. Instead, it's more empowering to focus on what you would like to do, how you would like to remember yourself as a parent, how your child would like to remember so, yourself as a parent. And as they start to, because it is a process and they start feeling that and getting to that freedom, they it's so valuable. They can see that it's, you know, getting caught up in that daily conflict cyclone isn't getting them what they want out of life and not healthy for them mentally or physically. No, for sure. One of the things that gives me a lot of hope when I'm dealing with these kind of high conflict parenting situations is something that I heard from Dorsey Pruder, who runs the Conscious Co-Parenting Institute. And she she runs um, the, those four-day intensive um, reunification um, treatments programs. So she's really only dealing with situations that are the most intense. They're, those are kids who have been ordered by the court to change, you know, temporary change of custody, mm -hmm. right? Like emergency child protection order to change custody. And very often, I would say probably most of the cases, the child does not want to have anything to do with this parent. They absolutely hate them or are completely afraid of them. And at the end of this four-day treatment, they are completely back together. And she's never had a case that didn't work out that way. And that makes me feel so hopeful because it tells me that inside the child, inside every single child who absolutely hates one of their parents is the, the germ or the seed of, of making it be all okay. And it can happen so quickly that in four days, okay, it's very mm -hmm. intensive, but in four days, it can be back together. That's how much the child who hates you really would love to be able to put it back yeah. on track. And really like all that the parent has to do, I don't want to make it sound simplistic, but they just have to get out of the way of, of prevent, you know, not letting that happen. Like mm -hmm. that there, of course, there are techniques and tools, strategies that you have to use, but that the, the 
the terrain is there, the environment inside the child is waiting to put that back together. And if the parent can just like keep from blowing it, mm. it's going to happen. Yeah. That reminded me going back to that book, I was telling you the, the ties that bind about parent alienated adult children. Uh, one woman talked about every Sunday, she would know her dad would come and he would try to see them and the, the, the mom and the stepdad would prevent that from happening. And one Sunday, he just stopped showing up. He just gave up. And she said it never dawned on me. And she, she would say things like, I don't want to see you, you know, so yeah. she, you know, she was um, campaigning against him as well. Um, and she thought he would never give up and how disappointing that was. You that know, he gave up. that's so interesting because I have a story exactly like that. One of the women mm -hmm. that I interviewed said, my, you know, my parents got divorced. I believed what my mom told me that he was the bad guy. And, you know, I was mad at him and he tried every week to phone me. And for four years, he called me and I didn't answer the phone. And she said, when he stopped calling, it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And that is, I, I just, I love to, to share that story because kids don't, um, there is no dynamic where the child feels that they are need to give something to the parent, you know, like mm -hmm. there's, it's a one way street parenting and, mm -hmm. and that for this child, all she could accept of her dad was this regular sign that he was still there. And he felt like he was doing nothing because she wasn't answering the phone. Right. Yeah. And if he had, if he could have known that he was giving her a kind of a lifeline every Sunday, that even though she wasn't showing it, that it was really big. Like, I'm super happy to hear that there's another story exactly like that, because I think there's so many stories like that. And yeah. when I, you know, the parents that I work with and they, they get so discouraged, I'm like, no, this is part of the process. Like, okay, she's not talking to you now, but it, you know, as anybody makes progress, there's, you know, steps forward and steps back. And unfortunately, in this type of work we're doing there, you know, there's not as much reinforcement, but I talk about looking for the micro opportunities yeah. of like just those smart, small tidbits, even if it's 10 seconds of connections and it doesn't seem like anything is happening, but so much is happening. Yeah. And so, you know, really a lot of, you know, my coaching is just helping reassured. No, this is, this is, looks very typical. Like keep at it, keep trying. That's really interesting because just this week I did a coaching uh, with a dad and we work with a, a parenting log that I send to fill out every week. And then, you know, I'm collating the responses and, you know, looking to see how it's going week over week. Um, and he said, Oh, I missed filling out last week. I feel really bad. But you know, we had a great week. So there wasn't really anything to put. And I said, Oh, no, on the contrary, like, you have to log those wonderful moments that you had, because you need them to look back when you're having a shitty week. And you feel like you're not getting anywhere because mm -hmm. it always feels like, Oh, God, here we are again, nothing is changing. Mm -hmm. We're right back at square one. But you're not because the whole the whole ship is moving forward. You just can't mm -hmm. see the, you can't see the, the, um, the environment changing because it, mm -hmm. it looks so much the same, you know, oh, when you're, yeah. you're crossing the ocean in a boat, there's nothing to see from one shore to the other. You can't tell that you're getting closer yeah. to a resolution, but you really are. 
And I think when people are in it too, it just seems so much, you know, slower, the progress. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's helpful to have those mile markers, you know, showing like, okay, yeah, this week we did, you know, this, there was a connection there, even though, you know, the next couple of days, maybe a setback, it's still there. You know, we're still making progress. I, I do it for myself. Like those, I mean, that's what a, that's part of what a gratitude journal is mm -hmm. about, right? It's like, reminding yourself every day that you have things to be grateful for and and sitting in that feeling kind of lifts you up and mm -hmm. keeps you in a positive space because you might as well like the days are going to go by you might as well spend them feeling good and mm -hmm. making making yourself you know surrounding yourself with an attractive energy mm -hmm. rather than sitting around feeling crappy that it doesn't do anything and it actually just drags other people down around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were saying something else about, um, you know, just how um, the parent, you know, feels defeated when the child continues to say, say things to them or, you know, doesn't call them. One of the things that I've actually had an aha moment in this past, I think within two weeks is that how that parent child dynamic changes because, um, when there's a campaign of denigration, the target parent does not correct that kind of disrespectful behavior or that abusive behavior. And so then the child becomes more of the authority over the right. parent, which is, you know, in, in being a child, they are more likely to, obviously they're abusing that power. And anytime there's disrespect in that relationship and there's not healthy boundaries, that further severs that relationship so right. you know working with and I've, I've done some research on how to how to in journaling on how to say it so nice so yeah. that because you can't come across and say that's a lot of times parents come across they to do address it may say that's disrespectful you know go to your room or something like that and again that's working against it but how to how to put boundaries around that behavior to bring that child back into those healthy dynamics yeah. Um, you know, by saying something like, you know, I really want to listen to what you, um, you have to say, but I have a hard time listening to you when you're saying it to me like that. So it's not, you know, a lot of times as parents, maybe we, we get emotional and we want to jump to that. Okay. What is the punishment here? But I think so much, and it's not even just for parent alienation. It's really just for helping our children grow is like, what is going on? And how can we meet the child where they are and help them learn the healthy behaviors and guide them to that? And this is such a fine like dance between the two of how to manipulate the 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 pawns back in the place on you know what is the hierarchy, you know, the parent having that authoritative parenting style and having that stable environment that children really do want and gravitate to. Yeah, they really do. I, I had a interesting experience with my, one of my stepkids, the oldest one who has been like historically the hardest to get along with. He has a really strong personality and he's very argumentative by nature. And at, at one time when he came to visit, um, I guess he had um, he had just missed an important deadline for applying to college or something that you know I, we ha I hadn't seen him in a really long time and as he was leaving I kind of got up close to him and kind of wagged my finger in his face and I said I said listen like 
don't do this to yourself. Like you need to be, you need to be your own boss and kick your own ass because I know what you're capable of. I saw you, you know, get through high school in a year and a half. I saw you, you know, lose 150 pounds and do, you know, you did all these incredible feats of willpower and ability and you can do anything you put your mind to. So don't let yourself do this, kick your own ass and, and, you know, like, don't do this. And I was kind of yelling at him, but at the same time, I was highlighting what I appreciate about him. Yeah, it sounds like and, a motivational speaker. <laughs> well, it, it was, but I just like, I, it wasn't at the time, it wasn't a strategy, you know, it just came out of me. Like I was just, it was sort of my parting words to him as he was out the door. And he put his bags down and came into my office and burst into tears. And he said, nobody's ever said anything that nice to me before. Mm. And it was, it was such a powerful moment for me to realize that, that you can, you know, you can say to a child who's misbehaving, like, you're so much better than this. Like, I know who you are and this is not the best of you. And you're allowed to be mad at me. If you're mad at me, that's okay. But I can't let you behave, just be mean because that's not who you are. And I'm calling you out on it. And if you're mad at me, go ahead and tell me mm-hmm. that you're mad at me and let's have that discussion. But, but like, this is not, this is not the part of you that, that I'm proud to be raising. And I think they, I think it helps. I think it helps what, as you said, soften, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea that you're not just reprimanding them or saying you're not allowed to feel this way Mm because you are always allowed to feel Mm -hmm. how you feel, but let's talk about how you feel. And that's different than you just calling me names or behaving badly. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, sort of bringing it back to what's important. That's something else too, that parents ask me all the time, like, what do I say when um, my, my stepchild is repeating awful things that their mom said about their dad, for instance, because m- most of my audience are stepmoms. Mm-hmm. And they all want to know, like, how do I respond when the child comes into my house and, and says, I'm not listening to you, dad, because you, you know, don't even give mom any money or whatever it might be that they've heard, you know, or because you're a bad guy, or, you know, like there are very many versions of that right Mm -hmm. and it is it's really hard to respond but when you make it be about the child and how they feel Mm -hmm. when they hear things like that um it's it's really easy to get away from having to defend yourself or having to um to sort of put the bio mom under the fire and say, you know, how could she say something like that? That's totally wrong. Like, cause that doesn't get you anywhere. I'm sure you it know that, right? Creates the walls go even higher. Yeah. yeah, exactly. As you're describing this and that's exact, that's, you know, the first step a lot of times. And, you know, some of my clients, it's like, they go to the alienators home and they come back and I walk the pain. I have to remind the parents, walk them through the, you know, the, the, uh, the strategies that we use and it's first hearing the child out. Okay, can you tell me why you think that? And really, you know, and by asking questions, you start to show the child 
they have the power to think for themselves. They don't have to listen to what one parent says or what the other parent says. You know, well, you know, do you, do you know, what, what makes you think that I take all of dad's money or like, you know, and just, and then now all of a sudden they really have to start thinking about what they're saying and really questioning how that fits in and then going with the feelings. Okay. Well, what, what do you feel, you know? And by doing that, those walls are coming down. Yeah. And then once those walls come down, then you go in for the reconnect. Mm -hmm. Because if you try to reconnect before that happens, those walls block it. Oh, that's if, really good if advice. You, if you try to, um, you know, if you're, if you're saying, well, mom, you know, mom doesn't know what she's talking about, the walls are going to go up higher. You know, they're just going to defend mom. So there's a, you know, there, I, I walk my clients through this three-step process to remind them. So every time they see it, they're like, okay, there it is. There's the disrespect. There's the agitation. There's the anger. Now, how do I respond to this? I have compassionate curiosity. I ask questions to get them to talk about it, get them, me to understand where they're, where they're at and then how do they feel and walls come down and then let's reconnect. And this is like where you're highlighting the importance of personal development in this journey because mm -hmm. it's all about your taming your own um, natural reaction to hearing that kind of really inflammatory stuff right like mm -hmm. you have to learn and practice how to respond in a different way that is completely contrary to your instinct or your reflex and like that's what we call personal growth learning mm -hmm. to do that so super um it's nice to make all these connections. This is it a great is. conversation. It is a great conversation. And another thing that I get from my clients is not only do they appreciate the strategies for what they're dealing with, with their co-parent, but they also can apply it in so many other different relationships and dynamics. You know, there's tough people that we work with. And, yeah. you know, when I say that, like when you go into the office and, you know, you're going to, you're bound to deal with some kind of personality disorders wherever you go, because they're about 10% of the population. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many skills that are not just for, you know, parent alienation, but self-growth like you said, and, you know, that's important that we remember because if we're not growing, we're dying, right? So we just got to keep, keep personal growth. That's going. a good one. <laughs> then tell everybody where they can find you. Mm -hmm. um, so my website is www.successfulparentingllc.com. Like I said before, in the next, I'm doing all the research um, for starting a YouTube channel, but I will be having that uh, YouTube channel come out that's called the Alienators Chess Game. So I talk about the different strategies they use so that target parents will be very aware. And then I also discuss strategies on how parents can combat the manipulators um, strategies. Awesome. So I'll definitely put those links in the show notes so that everybody can find you. Yes. Thank and you so much. Thanks once again for doing this. This was awesome. Yeah. Same here. Thank you, Tracy. I love how Jen uses metaphors. That's another reason she's my soul sister. I especially like the one about the cyclone of conflict and how you need an action plan as a sort of anchor. I'll just add my own metaphor on top there. I hope she doesn't mind. An anchor to keep you from being sucked back up into it when it catches you off guard. You need a plan with steps to follow, something you can trust and hang on to 
when the wind is blowing and like doors and furniture are flying all around your head. And I loved her three-step process when, for dealing with your child when they're acting out towards you so that you can manage it in the sense of not letting them just get away with treating you badly, but also respecting that misbehavior only ever comes from a place of pain or need or confusion. So her step one is to notice the disrespect or anger or antsy behavior happening. Step two is to ground yourself in curiosity. Ask questions, okay? Like, tell me more or what do you mean or what else? What's happening to make you think that? And the most important question of all, how does that make you feel? Or what's it like when you feel like that? This is so important, you know? It's so, it's so respectful of what the kids are going through and what they need to tell us. And finally, step three is just watch and wait for the walls to come down because they do when you respond in this way. And then it's time to move in to reconnect with a smile, with a hug, with a pat on the back, a high five, a walk around the block to discharge the tension, maybe even a snack, whatever feels natural to you. So go ahead and write down those three steps so that you have them handy. And remember, like anything, it's going to take some practice. You can practice saying it into the mirror. Say, you're allowed to be mad at me, you know. You're allowed to be mad at me. Tell me what you're angry about. I'm listening. You can say, tell me more. Is there something specific that you're talking about? You know, I once answered a stepmom in my group who asked, what do I do when Biomom is constantly feeding my stepson shit about me and his dad? And I replied, if she's feeding him shit, you better let him spit it out. If he doesn't spit it out, he's going to swallow it. And then where will you be? So that's what I'm talking about. Expect your child or your stepchild to go full Linda Blair on you at some point, all over the walls. It's part of the process. It's a healing thing. And your job is to see it in that light and to help the process instead of just letting your reflex reactions run the show. So don't forget to watch for Jen's YouTube channel coming up that's going to be called The Alienator's Chess Game. And meanwhile, you can find her at SuccessfulParentingLLC.com. Like always, those links are in the show notes. Check it out. Stepmom, you are essential to your family in so many ways. If you've been following this podcast for a while, you already know that one of the most important things you can do is to clear a path for the best possible connection between your partner and his kids. I want every child to have free access to the best dad in the world. That's not because moms and stepmoms aren't important too. It's because I believe it's a child's connection with dad that propels them out into the world to become all of who they're meant to be. And that feels really important to me. So if you're a divorced or separated dad listening to this, I want you to know that no matter what kind of wedge is coming between you and your kids, you are the best dad in the world for them. 
but you might not be the best problem solver. And that's where I come in. I'm great at taking big, complicated problems apart into simple little pieces where you can slay them one at a time so that life can be smoother and more enjoyable and your kids can relax into a permanent, unshakable bond with you. You might not be able to change all of your life circumstance, but you can absolutely transform how all of you experience it. If you want help with that, I'm here for you. Set up a free chat and let me show you how I work. I can't wait to help your kids see more of what you have to give them. Go to bit.ly slash calltracy. That's bit.ly slash calltracy, all capital letters. And I'll look forward to setting aside some time for you. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you.